Hello and welcome to the sewers of Paris. Nope. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Defining Marriage. Each week on the show we talk about what's happening with marriage and stuff, and sometimes horses. Hi James. Herman, can you guess what I hold in my sweaty, filthy little hands? Oh, there are so many possibilities and they all disgust me. Uh, well, I mean, you can see, but you could also <laughs> make a guess. Okay. Would you... There are so many possibilities and they are pregnant with promise. I, I Obviously, I can see that you are holding a copy of Mama Tits Saves the World. That's cheating. What is this document I have, this object do art? It's a brand new comic book starring our friend Mama Tits and written by our friend Zan Christensen of Northwest Press and illustrated by our friend Terry Bloss. Well, I have I have thumbed through it, so my thumbs have now invaded its, its secret oh, places. If, if there's a murder, they'll be able to dust it for your prints. If there's a murder, they'll never find me because I... I will have turned into a bird and flown away. Oh, like Natalie Bruglia. Exactly like her. Now, there's an activity in here, and I, I don't know if you've oh, done boy. it yet, but I want you to participate in this activity. I'm familiar with some of Mama Tits's activity. We should say, for listeners who are unfamiliar, Mama Tits is a local Seattle drag queen and a superstar. She's not just a Seattle drag queen, she's now a Cancun drag queen. She's got a show down there. She's a, a kangaroo drag queen? Cancun. Oh, okay. Mexico. Mm. She's got a show down there a couple um, months out of the year, I think now. Um, and uh, she's got a brunch here, a Sunday brunch here called uh, Mimosas with Mama. And you might have seen her. She came to national prominence a few years ago when she yelled at some protesters during uh, Gay Pride in Seattle. But more importantly, she does abridged forms of Little Shop of Horrors, yes. which is the finest of musicals. Yes, it is the best. Anyway, this activity. Now, it says here that this activity is from Sonia Saturday. I don't know who that is, but there's a website, soniasaturday.com. I do not endorse this Sonia Saturday. I do not not endorse Sonia Saturday or soniasaturday.com. I literally have no idea who it is, but it says that that's who this activity is from. Now, there is a, a crudely drawn m- mummy with a cape. Uh, that I believe is meant to represent Oscar Wilde. Oh. And, and that's about, I mean, that seems about right. He's oh, kind of a crude mummy with a cape. Um, that is not the most flattering depiction. Well, anyway, let's move on with flattering depictions. We're going to do this quiz. Now, it's going to be fill in the blank, kind of like match game. All right. But the blank only has four possibilities. Okay. And those are, and these should be easy for you to keep track of. Oh, boy. Chicken. Uh-huh. Man. Chicken. Uh-huh. Like from Sundays in the Park with George. Uh, chicken. Uh, man. Uh-huh. Uh, like, a, oh, like Blanche Dubois likes to have. Uh, absolutely. When, uh, in, a, in a big bucket, just like her chicken. I said Blanche Dubois, but I was thinking of Blanche Devereaux. That's okay. The other day I said Rex Hamilton, and I meant Rex Harrison, so <laughs> these things happen. Okay, so the next option. Woman. Oh, like animal always chases. Exactly. Woman, woman, woman. And finally, Horse. Oh, we're back to the horses. We're back to the horses, which oh, is why we, we're horses. back to the races. Okay. Oh, no. Hello, horses. We're welcoming them back. Welcome back, horses. Welcome back, Cotter. Uh, Pinduzer. <laughs> All right. Enough. Enough references on with the show. Can you repeat back to me the four choices? Yes, because I created mnemonic devices for them. Oh, good. Uh, horse. Uh-huh. Woman. Uh-huh. Man. Yeah. And George? No. She. <laughs> Chicken. Rolf. Yes, chicken. Okay, so, I'm going to give you a quote with a blank, and you have to fill in the blank with one of those choices. All right. Number one, a man's life is of more value than a blank's. It has larger issues, wider scope, and greater ambitions. Well, I think that's true of of three of those things. Mm -hmm. I don't know, was he enough of a misogynist to say that about women? Well, uh, is that going to be your answer? 
Is that your final answer? I mean, <laughs> he certainly, like, my my knowledge of how Oscar Wilde depicted women... That waskily Oscar. <laughs> uh, is, I mean, they, they are awfully frivolous in the importance of being earnest. So, but then again, so are the men. Um, hmm, I'm gonna say... A man's life is worth more than a chicken's. A man's life is worth more than a horse. The greater ambition. I think, in the context of that quote, I'm going to go with women. Okay. So next question. Yeah. A blank will flirt with anybody in the world as long as other people are looking on. Oh boy, I really want it to be chicken. Um, are these all going to be about women? I don't know. Um, I'm going to say now. Can I only use them once? Or? Oh no no no. Oh, okay. No. I think that one might be about women too. Okay. Question three. What a typical blank you are. You talk sentimentally and you are thoroughly selfish the whole time. Ah, I think these are going to all be about women. So you're saying woman? Yeah. Oh my goodness, Matthew. Oh boy. What does this say about you? Uh, mm. uh, now, and, and now for the final solution. Nope. The only way a blank can ever reform a man is by boring him so completely that he loses all possible interest in life. Well, I think that's going to be about women, too. Although I certainly do bore you sometimes, don't I? And you haven't reformed. That you think these things about women, Matthew, means that you are a homosexualist, like Oscar Wilde. Is that right? He said all these things about women. He did not say them about chicken or horses. Now, I'm not saying I believe these things. I'm just saying that you don't? my knowledge of Oscar Wilde's wit uh, is such that I would have expected him to be juxtaposing men and women in those quotes, and I was right. What is it about his wit that would lead you to, to say such a thing? Because he's always comparing two things that are kind of similar, a thing and its opposite. Mm. And in the context in which he lived, uh, men and women were seen as opposites. Uh, and then also, his, uh, yeah, just the importance of being earnest is all about like the battle of you know men versus women so yeah hmm he didn't have great attitudes about ladies did he the only thing worse than a woman is is not being a woman is not being a woman that doesn't really work no um no he doesn't seem to have had great attitudes so shame 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 on oscar wilde uh but i i feel like i was led down a primrose path because i wanted some quotes about dogs Dogs and chickens and 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 horses horses. and pigs and all and everyone all the muppets Mm mm-hmm uh, well, I'm glad that you brought up horses. Oh? Because, once again, uh, horses are an important part of the program. Oh, dear. Uh, we have had a request Uh-oh. from listener Nola Gazer. Uh-huh. Oh, he, Nola Gazer. Yes, Very nice. He wants to have a picture of a horse wearing a bikini. Surely the internet has provided such a thing. I have not found anything. You haven't? No, no. But that's like your... I mean, we, the, we'll talk about that off the air, but you, uh, it seems like the sort of thing you'd be able to find. Uh, no, I found plenty of boy tars, uh-huh. uh, but those are all boys. Uh, I found plenty of, um, pool toys mm-hmm. in various, uh, I don't know, swimwear. I found many strange things on the internet, but I haven't found a horse in a bikini. I found a lot of strange things on the internet, but I haven't found me. <laughs> That's good, because I need you here. I've been to Bad Dragon, but I've never been to me. 
Now, will you provide a horse in a bikini for this episode? We can scan it in and put it in the... Do you want me to dress up like one? Yes. I want you to dress up like a sexy bikini horse. Okay. And I want you... Noligator suggested that... Like the, a like a pantomime horse? Do you have to be the back half? Yes. I'll be the butt of the horse, as of course. always. Sure. And you'll be wearing, uh, like, a, a little bikini bottom. Is that how you can tell who's a top and who's a bottom? You, you offer them a pantomime horse, and you see who gets part? in the front and yep. who gets in the back? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it, exactly. Now, you're going to have to be the, the front, which means that you'll be in the bikini, uh-huh. but uh, the bikini will just have come undone, and you'll be, you'll be clutching at yourself, and you'll say, oh. my breasts! Oh, this is an art from scenario, it, it almost. Is, is it broccoli is. coming out the butt part of the horse? You've dropped a bag of groceries? It was, it was celery. Celery, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, anyway, anyway. Celery is the worst vegetable, by the way. The strings, ah, oh, it's got strings it's and it tastes fine. like dying. Don't you tell me that celery is worse than I don't know rutabagas or something? Those are roots, I guess. I'm not even vegetables. sure I know what a rutabaga is. <laughs> it, we could, it could be one of us. It could be. It could be a beluga baby. Uh, what what's been going on in our lives this week? Oh, I don't know. I've been raiding tombs and uh, invading wombs. <laughs> I hope you haven't been doing that. I have. I've uh, opened a, a freelance abortion clinic. How nice! How nice! I would expect nothing less from you, mm-hmm. because we have known each other for so long. I it is easy for me to anticipate your strange adventures. Yes, but were we ever to separate? Yes, goodbye. Uh, there are there's a new precedent in New Hampshire for the dissolution of a same sex relationship. I'm so disillusioned. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Yeah, so these two women, uh, they were together for literally decades, uh-huh. uh, and they were married for a year because okay. you can only get married fairly recently. Mm-hmm. They ended their relationship, and one of them said that she was entitled to stuff in the separation. Sure. Uh, commensurate with the length of their relationship. Mm-hmm. The other said, well, we were only married for a year, though. Clever. Clever girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that has been winding its way through the courts for four years. Sure. And the court has just uh, ruled... In the meantime, I'm sure she sold all the crap. <laughs> she probably did. Uh, it's ruled that they can, uh, the court can consider decades of cohabitation prior to a short marriage. Interesting. Now, I assume this is uh, applies across the board. This is not just for the same-sex uh, bum kiss. Well, maybe, because oh. the judge observes that for most of their relationship, they didn't have the option of getting married. Oh, that well, that's different. Yes. yes. So, on one hand, this is interesting, because it introduces the potential for some subjectivity and abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say when a relationship began and when you were commingling your assets? And yeah, we, we have a hard time determining when we started commingling our assets. We did. We did. Yeah, we were friends. People ask, and uh, there are several different years one could choose. Yeah, we we met, I want to say, well, we were aware of each other in 1998. Maybe. Right? Right? That was when I came to to college, and you were spying upon me. I did spy on you, yes, (laughs) that's true. Uh, you you were aware of me before I was aware of you. Yes. But then you joined the children's television group that we were a part of, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't know who you were still. Right. And I left you a voicemail message because I had a script that you had written, and I didn't know how I had obtained it or who you were. And I left you this long, rambling voicemail message mm-hmm. uh, introducing myself, uh, only to eventually learn that we are part of the same club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was embarrassing. Uh, then it was around 2002-ish that uh, we moved to the same city, and well, although we did not live together, we basically lived together. True. I suppose that's where cohabitations would perhaps be in. Yeah. I, our assets were, and, and still are, separate. 
Some of them. As some well them. they should be. Mm, yes. I don't know what's going on with you. You don't know what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. I could fly the coop with my millions at any moment. Oh, like stay, a chicken. Yes, like a woman. <laughs> yes, women are those women in their coops. So, uh, on the one hand, there's this potential for some subjectivity ab- about this, but on the other, um, what's also interesting to me about this is that there's a bit of a recognition from the court here that relationships happen with or without legal recognition. Sure. And you can have a relationship without necessarily having a document about it. Well, common law has covered that for a very long time. That's I just, just didn't cover it for same-sex couples. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Most states have always had a way of dealing with cohabitating straight people who never got a marriage license, and what happens when they break up, and particularly what happens with respect to, you know, custody and large assets like houses and cars mm. and things like that. Yeah, so are we are we common law married? We're in the common law cabin. <laughs> that is another obscure reference to a fantastic movie. Extra obscure because the movie has two titles and that is only one of them. What is the other one? Oh, it's, uh, oh, he, he bellows it. Who's, who's the director? It's, oh, oh, oh. It's... Wait. How much loving does a normal couple need? That's it. That's it. It's, uh, what's the name of the director? He's the guy who did the Piranha movies and uh, Corman, Roger Corman. No. No? Really? No. Russ Meyer. Ah, yes. Russ Meyer. Now that you know. That we didn't I... have to play a whole what's-his-name. We didn't. We didn't. Yeah, one of my favorite directors. How could I forget? Uh, so we made this movie, Common Law Cabin slash How Much Loving Does a Normal Couple Need? Mm-hmm. And it's got uh, John, I've forgotten his last name. Who cares? It's amazing. Yeah. He's oh, guy. that guy. That that guy we care about. I thought you were going to say it has like, John Gielgud as the shark. <laughs> sure. Sure it does. No, no. John, the actor in this movie, I've forgotten his last name, has this incredible narrator voice where he just sounds like he's like furiously eating Nixon. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why eating Nixon would sound different from eating any other president, but in my mind it does. Jaggers, come to my rescue immediately. My pulchritude is out of control. And that was Nixon. Uh, you need to be careful with your voice, though, because you nearly blew out your your throat uh, doing doing um, uh, voices for Final Fantasy. I did. I was playing Final Fantasy VII, and I thought I would try to give every character in the game a unique voice. There are a lot of characters in that game. And at a certain point, you run out of voices that sound remotely human, and you start doing things like, Hello, Cloud! I want to be your boyfriend! Um, you do that for four or five hours at a stretch. Um, or the world's worst, Carol Channing. And, uh, yeah, it starts to, starts to get to you. Yeah. I don't have a good segue for this, so <laughs> ham. Oh, hamburger. We have some ham news this week. Okay. The Kentucky Farm Bureau had their annual ham breakfast. Okay. Now, you may be wondering what the Kentucky Farm Bureau could possibly have to do with gay marriage. Well, I imagine the horse and the chicken from that Oscar Wilde quiz want to get married. Oh, yes, and the pig. The pig is going to marry them, or maybe uh-huh. there's a love triangle. Possibly. Oh, That's the common law cabin. Mm, delicious breakfast triangle. Uh, so the Kentucky Farm Bureau is an insurance agency for farmers. Okay. Uh, the agency, in its official Farm Bureau Policies Manual, mm-hmm. opposes marriage equality and benefits for same-sex couples, as well as, quote, alternative lifestyles taught in public schools. Why does the insurance company for farmers have a position on that? They're also pro-capital punishment. Okay. uh, And they're opposed to abortion. Again, why does the insurance for farmers have a position on that? That is 
such an excellent question and one that everyone is asking and has okay. been for years. Okay. The organization itself says that, well, this is, uh, these are official policies that are determined through democratic vote of our membership mm-hmm. and our membership's, uh, uh steering committee or our leadership is decided, our members have directed our leaders to establish these policies. But these are not policies that the ham breakfast committee can implement. These are political positions and I assume the farm insurance company isn't running candidates or no. pushing for policy per se. Oh, but they are. Of oh, course they are. They are. Okay, they're an tell insurance me more. company. Yeah. So they've got a lot of money. Well, I, okay. And so, so they're lobbying? So of course they are. But why are they lobbying for these things instead of lobbying for insurance kickbacks or whatever? That is a good question. And I I don't think they they are lobbying for gay marriage stuff and and abortion stuff, probably, because there's no financial interest to them. But, you know, like anyone who's rich, they, uh, you know, give lots of money to politicians to make them do their bidding. Uh, Well, you say they. Like, what what are we talking about here? Is this a large corporation or is this a closely held corporation for my one weird family? Is this a a monster in a mansion with a with a dungeon? Like, what is this? No, they're fairly prominent. So at this okay. ham breakfast, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of local, state, and national politicians were in attendance. Mm-hmm. Rand Paul was there, you know, Senator Rand Paul. Okay. Uh, he was there, and he said that every time he opens the Farm Bureau Policies Manual, he says, hooray. <laughs> they should uh, put one of those little things like a birthday card. So he goes, hooray. When he opens it. I, I do want to see a dramatic recreation of this, of just Rand Paul sitting in an office, opening this thick manual, turning to a page and saying, hooray. While uh, Timmy Boy's cake is, is sniffed. Sure. Uh, you know Timmy Boy, Timmy the cake Boy? man? Senator Timmy Cake's mouth. Oh, 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 Tom Cotton. T- Tommy Timmy. Yeah, that was, that was so obscure. He's from the Cotton insurance company and he sits on a big pile of cotton and he eats a birthday cake i'd say maybe like 15 percent of what you're saying is accurate you told me these things i learned them from watching you senator tom cotton says that he eats a birthday cake every day Mm -hmm. it's strange and perverse and i'm sure it only scratches the surface of the icing of whatever goes on in his house sure but uh it's nothing to me whatever he wants to enjoy with his good lady wife is just uh is none of my business Mm -hmm. uh rand paul on the other hand does not take that approach uh, this, this noted libertarian is very interested in, in government intrusion into the lives of gay people. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, we've got to have tolerance on both sides. The other just wants to tell us that we've got to give up on everything we believe in. What about the other side tolerating Christians who believe in traditional beliefs? That's what he said at the ham breakfast. Sure. I mean, what what intolerance are they facing? Uh, that uh, gay people are getting married. Okay. That is apparently intolerance of their beliefs. So, sorry, James, we can't get married because it would be intolerant for Rand Paul. Well, that's not why we can't get married. But I hear this. I hear, oh, the real bigots. Oh, the gays are the real bigots because the gays are the real bigots because they say they want tolerance, but they won't be tolerant of people who believe they should be destroyed. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just give in and, and be destroyed? That would be the polite thing to do. But what examples do they have of intolerance? Oh, you know, clerks who have to leave their jobs because they don't want to hand out gay marriage licenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, bakers who have to make cakes for gay people. Um, you know, buses that have to let black people sit wherever they want. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. You know, you gotta you you can't sell somebody that uh, you won't rent an apartment to them because they're Jewish. But my understanding was that the 
the good libertarian position is that we shouldn't have any anti-discrimination laws. So I guess what Rand Paul is saying is that the only class of people that should be protected is Christians, because we shouldn't have non-discrimination protections based on gender, national origin, uh, sexual orientation. We should only have it based on Christian religious beliefs. I'm sure he would be very excited by that. Okay. Yeah. Um, moving on to Australia. We're going to be brief about Australia because it's always the same news week after week. I know. I don't know why we Blah. keep doing it. But okay. uh, So Australia is still fiddling around with the plebiscite. The Greens might block it now. They say that it's too harmful, so we might not have a plebiscite at all. Liberals right. say that, well, if you do, then we won't be able to talk about marriage equality for three years. Okay. Why not? Because they just don't want to. Uh, that is literally, there's nothing blocking them. They just say that they won't They won't let it come up to a vote for three years if they block the plebiscite. I don't know why this is such a big deal there. I, I mean, I guess I just don't... Um, I know I, I mean, public I opinion don't... is so overwhelmingly in favor of marriage equality. It's very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't presume to know anything about Australian politics, but it does seem like when you have that much of the public on your side, there isn't that much of a political risk. I know. Uh, very frustrating. Uh, also, some controversy this week. Uh, there's this Australian show called Love... Uh, no, sorry, called Married at First Sight, mm-hmm. where a bunch of psychologists uh, does some matchmaking and makes people get married to oh. people they don't know. Oh. And so it's in its third season. It's about to start its third season. Mm-hmm. And this is the first season that they'll have a gay couple. Okay. And so so there's some mixed feelings on this. On one hand, for the first two seasons, people were like, why is it always straight couples? And now there's a gay couple on, and they're like, oh, this is trivializing how gay people can't get married in Australia still. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I have come down on both sides of that. Like, this is a stupid show, and it, it shouldn't be a thing. Uh, but it is. So I guess, you know, if straight people are going to trivialize marriage, I guess gay people should too. Well, aren't we, not marriage per se, but aren't we doing something like that on Logo here, where a porn star is going to fuck a bunch of mannequins for our pleasure? What? How did I not hear about this? It's called, like, Prince Pantless or something, and it's The Bachelor, but it's one guy who used to be a rent boy. Oh, God. Um, but now he's just a handsome, fancy man, and uh, he's gonna hump a bunch of fit white guys and a couple of tokens, and then pick one at the end. And I guess we're meant to imagine that this house full of model men isn't all just going to be fucking each other? Yeah. Um, I mean, this was a joke that Brian Safi made years ago uh-huh. um, for, I can't remember who it was for. It might actually have been on, no, it was Funny or Die, mm-hmm. about why Why is there no gay bachelor? Well, it's because they would all just have sex with each other. Correct. And, and certainly they will, but I wonder if the show will cover that. That's so Probably strange. not. Because um, that's not the narrative. That's, it's, that's, a, that's a hard pass for me. Oh, you should take a look at these promotional photos. It looks like shit. <laughs> Good. Uh, there, I, I, there's enough shit in my life. I don't need more. Oh, well, you, and you look right <laughs> at me. Right at you I'm the I'm the talking poo. Oh, it, James. It's like Scott Thompson once said: "The world's so full of shit. Why even bother wiping your ass?" I can think of a couple reasons, but uh, I, I get what he's saying. Uh, speaking of which, Matt Staver. You yeah. remember him? Kim Davis's attorney, among other things. Okay. So uh, he's one of those right-winger guys. Uh, he says about gay marriage, he, he gave a speech uh, this week. Oh, good. Yeah, great. Uh, he says, we have to make a decision, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer made a decision. Uh, he was a priest who uh, resisted the Nazis. Oh, he wasn't the founder of Kraftwerk? No. <laughs> like Dietrich Bonhoeffer made a decision. Like mm-hmm. Martin Niemöller made a decision. You, of course, are familiar. He's the one who was like, oh, first I came for the gypsies and I didn't speak up for the gypsies. And I thought he was the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea guy. What? Martin Niemöller... What are you referencing? Sometimes you'll make a reference and I'll be like, oh, how droll. And other times I'm like, I just don't know what you're talking about. The thing I'm referencing, I, I said, I said 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea guy, yeah. huh? Was he the captain or the guy who wrote it? Or I thought, did H.G. Wells write 20,000? Who wrote that? 
<laughs> Look at the horses out of the barn in your head. I can see it circling. Oh, oh. Maybe I maybe I'm hungry. Maybe Goodbye, that's why I'm spacey. He says <clears throat> Matt Staver says, We're coming to the position where we are in the same place that Dr. Martin Luther King had to make a decision. Where okay. the founders of this country had to make a decision that we will either obey God or we will obey man. What? Uh, man, please. Yeah, wait, what? Um mm. I don't there are many things I don't understand. So first of all, like juxtaposing the founders and Martin Luther King, one of those sets of people listened to God and thought Martin Luther King should be owned yes. by someone else. Yes. And so, another one listened to God and said, um, please, you don't own me. That was his famous speech, right? Yes. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Let's uh, not imagine no, that. No, please don't. Um, so he went on, Matt Staver went on, states don't have the right to define marriage to begin with any more than they have the right to define gravity. It is what yep. it is. It's part of natural creation. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right. And then uh, elsewhere in his speech, he reminded the audience of his credentials. I've been a dean of a law school. I've been a tenured law school professor. I've taught constitutional law. Okay. Oh, man. I hope those students didn't pay too much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I look forward to the scientists of the world discovering marriage uh, <laughs> as the sa- in, in the same way that uh, the, a fifth force of nature may have been discovered. Well, what Speed about, force. What about the, the, the scientists who, who listen to God? Like, the, the Pope is, is sort of a God scientist, isn't he? Not really, because he doesn't test anything God says. No, because, well, it's, that's, that's... And verify that it's true. You don't need to. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm there's just... No, there, there, there's no... No one would say that there's any kind of scientific approach to any of that shit. What about Christian scientists? Uh, they just let themselves die to oh. prove that God will heal them if he wants them to live. Well, the experiment was a success. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, what the uh, dean of a law school has to so say that's the, about. Wait, that's the experiment. Yeah. And then we have the, the data now on how well that works out. <laughs> yeah. That if you wait for God to heal you, uh, you die. Good. Uh, but- because he's not real. So that's going on over on the law talking side of things. Mm-hmm. The National Organization for Marriage and what do we call it? The National Association for Marriage and it's Bathrooms. It's the National Organization for Marriage, Bathroom, Liberty, and All. Wonderful. It sounds so delicious. So I want to show you this this image that they put out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's uh, listeners. Uh, I'm going to show this to James, and I'm going to ask him to describe what he's looking at. <laughs> Okay, so what we are looking at here is a jigsaw puzzle with two interlinked Olympic rings. The other three ran away. They want uh, no part of this. Uh, And there's a a jigsaw puzzle with one piece sliding away, and it says, We're behind. Yes, the national organization is behind. Are they ever? Uh, they need to raise $52,000 this summer. Mm-hmm. So far, they've raised 33000 They've got about a week left That's to make it 525,600 up. 525,600 pennies. Wow. Your, your ability to do math on the fly is I so I I'm like Clever Hans. Yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, in that, uh, they you, should do yeah. to raise money. To raise money. They to should get money. a smart horse. They should get a smart horse to sing 525,600 pennies, 525,000 pennies in my butt, I'm behind, and if I could turn back time. Oh, it's a medley. I, I'd invest in gold. I would find a way to be so bold. I'm a horse. 
So National Organization for Marriage needs twenty thousand more dollars. Uh, so that I thought they, it was fifty thousand. Well, they need fifty thousand. They've got thirty-three thousand. Need twenty thousand more. Oh, okay. uh, they needed the money to push for the passage of the First Amendment Defense Act. Okay, yeah, that that seems like it's enough money to throw like one lunch. Yeah. For like a Washington lobby. Yeah. Okay. So they also need uh, filing of legal briefs in critical cases to stop President Obama's attempt to impose his dangerous transgender policy on the nation's public school children. Mm-hmm. They need to hold big corporations like Target accountable for helping impose the agenda of LGBT extremists. <laughs> and they need to continue the work in key states to hold politicians accountable for their actions when they abandon marriage, religious liberty, and pro-family values. Boy, that seems like a lot with $50,000. I mean, that's like one employee, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, or, or I guess uh, slaves, so we could bring that back. That would be good, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, the founders could listen to, listen God, to God and again. Yeah. Listen with your heart. Listen when God says enslave your friends today. I don't know what that is. Is that from 20,000 Leagues Beneath the Sea? It's from 525,000 Leagues Under My Butt. Hmm. Oh, you're behind. Yes. Wait, I thought I was your butt. I'm the butt of the horse. It's true. Leagues are horizontal, you know, not vertical. So think about that. If you take, if you draw a line from my butt across the ocean, you will find paradise. <laughs> is it the Isle of Man? It is the Isle of Man. <laughs> Wonderful. It is paradise. Uh, People have always said that about the Isle, Isle of Man. Man. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the episode, please get in touch. I'm at Matt Baum on Twitter. And uh, you can also follow James on Twitch if you want to see him do more voice. He's not doing as many voices these days. But no. uh, you-, you can still follow him. He's, he's twitch.tv slash pretty pretty pixel. You can also leave a review of the show on the iTunes store. And you can get my book, Defining Marriage. That's in paperback and audiobook and ebook on, on Amazon.com. Now, let me, I'm, I'm interrupting your flow. Your oh. flow has been interrupted. Oh, so no. Plug it up, Carrie. Plug it up. Oh, Jesus. This is a strange podcast, you know, because the first 18 or so episodes are you reading your book. Yeah. It's a, it's a complete audiobook experience. If people don't want to hear this shit, if they want to hear about the real heroes of the marriage equality movement, some of them, not all of them, you couldn't get some of them to talk to you, let's be honest. But the ones who would talk to you, they're in this book, mm-hmm. and you can listen. It's like, it's more than the 18-hour bra. It is a long thrilling adventure you can put in your ears and you can listen to the book chapter by chapter by listening to the first 18 episodes of this podcast then it becomes sort of a retrospective of your activism then it becomes shit which is what we're that's the phase we're we're in now. now yeah that's the phase we're in now but the first part of this podcast is a whole book you need a book for something when you're on the elliptical or when you're when you're spinning around in the centrifuge whoa 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 look at you go Listen to a book. Why, why wouldn't you? It was just favorably reviewed by Audiophile Magazine. Is that someone who, who jerks off to audiobooks? Uh, well, I, I think we can assume. Yeah, why, why else would they do it? Anyway, get back on your centrifuge and Whoa. listen listen Whoa. to the uh, first 18 episodes for the audiobook Whoa. version of Defining Marriage. Whoa. Or you could even get the Whoa. print version if you really want to do. Uh, that's at definingmarriage.com. And, uh, also, that puts a few shekels in little Matthew's pocket. It does. It does. A very few, but still some. And every little bit counts. If you want to support the podcast, it's a good way to do it. To they go those. straight to Nambla. <laughs> Not Nambla. Nambla, the National Organization for Marriage, Bathrooms, Liberty and All. Yep. Whoa. We got it. We got we got twenty thousand dollars to 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 raise for them, so they can stop the transgender policies. Dangerous, dangerous. So, listeners, thank you again so much for joining us. And by the power vested in me by the internet, I hereby pronounce this podcast over. 
Now what are you going to put at the end here is the trailer for Common Law Cabin. How much loving does a normal couple need presents a tantalizing question. Love lies somewhere between the fires of hell and the furrows of paradise. Few will deny that the pleasures of loving far outweighs the sorrows of being unloved, whatever the cost. Efforts to measure love have been attempted in surveys, statistics, and graphs. Now Hollywood filmmaker Russ Meyer endeavors to answer for once and for all the all-important question. How much loving does a normal couple need? In lieu of cold statistics, we offer you Sheila. Knock it off, will you? Any other time but now, it'd be great. Everybody's doing it. If you don't, somebody else will. Go find record and do it. <laughs> Sheila, as portrayed by Elena Capri, displays the rich, full flavor of her Roman talents, an insatiable well of delight. This is Bouncy Babette Bardot, a volatile voluptua from the fertile fields of France, a mamzelle schooled in the gentle art of amour. Backed up by the sculptured gifts of nature and a fit protagonist of the man-killer, Sheila. The epidermy of Swedish pulchritude is again bestowed upon the screen in the unblemished form of Adele Rhine as Coral, the personification of innocence lost in the body of a woman. You really came to play, didn't you? I came to win. You'll have to settle for a tie. I'm very easy to get along with. You ought to try me sometimes. You made a big mistake, baby. If you must show off your body, join a nudist cat. Ronnie, the glass slip in your torpedo! You better climb right back in that Chris Crab and bug out of here, Sonny. You call me sick? You got a few problems yourself, Ace. Oh, you make me sick! Get on the money, Ronnie! of their insatiable desire for love. Sheila, a Roman candle too hot to hold. Babette, an uncommon, common law wife. Coral, an untarnished innocent, coveted by three men. One, her father. Who can say how much loving does a normal couple need? Until you, you, and you have seen it. Coming to this theater very soon, in fabulous Eastman colors.